God's word. All right. Praise God. Amen. Who is glad to be in church? Amen. I am. I am glad to be here. Not just because I'm supposed to be here, but I want to be here. Amen. Nobody had to drag me kicking and screaming, put a gun in my head. I'm glad to be in the house of God every time I come. Because you know what? When you come, if you overcome the obstacles when you come, God blesses every single time. Amen. Put this away. All right. Pray for my voice. We're still dealing with that, but God is good. Amen. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 4 through 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 4 through 5. Before I read that, remember revival. Revival is coming November 1st through 6th. Uh, Tuesday, that's verse 4. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God, bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Verse 5 is our key verse. We'll read it again. Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God. And bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. And I want to preach on the title of a message, Find and Replace. Find and Replace. Reverend Tuig, sir, would you please pray for the message? All right. Whether you're picking somebody up or cleaning the bathroom, we appreciate everything that happens here in the house of God. It does not happen without somebody doing something. That may be an obvious statement, but it does not happen without somebody doing something. So the title of my message is Find and Replace. In Microsoft Word, there is, in the edit menu, there is a tool called Find. As you go up into the edit menu, if you're familiar or you're not, I, I'll try to explain it to you the best that I can. You go up to edit, and then when you hit edit, you'll be looking for something called find. What find does is that you are able to, if you are looking for one word in your document, you're able to use that tool called find. It brings up a text box, and you're able to, as it has find right to the left and the empty text box to the right, you're able to go into that text box, and you're able to type in a word that you're looking for and searching for in your document. Today we were out, wife and I were out visiting people that had been to church on Sunday, and there was one lady in particular that is a cook. So she came up, uh, she was talking to my wife about a, uh, a recipe for greens. And so she said that there's something called tenders. I said, oh, I remember that. She said, what is it then? I said, well, I don't know. <laughs> It's mustard greens, I hope you're not hungry, mustard greens, collard greens, and spinach. Those are tenders. You can only, she said, you can only go get them in one place in Illinois. Nobody in St. Louis has them. I said, wow, okay. 
So she was going to get the recipe from her aunt, her aunt didn't answer the phone or whatever. But just imagine you have the recipe for tenders, and you put in your document, mustard greens go in at this time. But you meant to say, oh, wait a minute, collard greens go in at that time. And so you would look, you would go into the edit menu, you would go and, and go to find, you would type in mustard, and then you would be able to see every place in the recipe that mustard is. But there is something else in there in the edit menu. It is called find and replace. If you want to take that word mustard out and you want to put collard in there, you go into edit, find, and replace. You type mustard in find. I'm making it real easy, okay? You type mustard in find. And then it will bring up all of the, the words, but also you type in that word, in that text box next to replace, you would type collard. And so you would be able to find all the mustard, and you'd be able to put collard in its place. It's an easy way, instead of looking through the whole document and trying to find each and every instance of that word mustard, and type in each and every instance where you're supposed to have collard. And so it's something, some tool that you can use in order to make it easier. But spiritually, we also have a find and replace we need to find the lies that the enemy has been telling us our whole lives, that the enemy tells us every day. We need to find those lies and replace them with God's truth. We need to take those lies out of our minds, out of our vocabulary, and replace them with the truth of the Word of God. This is an easy, simple thing to do, but it's not easy to fight against the devil on your own. You've got to learn how to use the sword of the Spirit and be able to take those lies out of your mind, fight the battle, and win just like Jesus did. And then remind the devil every time he tries to lie to you, remind him of where he's going to, to the lake of fire at the end of it all. So I want to talk about three things, visible, invisible, and victory. Visible, invisible, and victory. All right, come on to church tonight, man. I'm not preaching anything bad. There's no bad stuff in here, man. This is all about victory. All right. A visible battle. About 10 years ago, it was around Thanksgiving time. My wife and I, we were trying to figure out what we were going to do after Thanksgiving, and a pastor friend called. He said, I want to invite you to the Turkey Bowl. I said, what is the Turkey Bowl? I was intrigued. The Turkey Bowl is a flag football game that we play at a field near our church. And so we want you to come out and, and, and uh, participate in the Turkey Bowl. I said, oh, okay. Wow, well, that, that sounds like fun. But first, I had to get in shape for the Turkey Bowl. I had not been running. I had been Mr. Couch Potato, all right? <laughs> I had not been running. I would hardly been walking. And so the day before, I had to get all prepped up and, and get out there and get on the track and do a little bit of running because I didn't want to get hurt <laughs> when I got out there running around for the first time in who knows how long, okay? But if you're not familiar with flag football, it's familiar. It's similar to regular football. The, the, but the players, instead of having on helmets and, 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 and uh, pads, they have a, a, a flag belt that is wrapped around their waist. And that those flags are normally Velcroed to that belt. And so when somebody is going to 
come up on them and, and the player has the ball, and the, the person on the opposing team, they can run out and go and grab that flag, pull it off of that belt, and that person is considered down. So we had a fun time. It was a very fun game. But that's a visual example of a battle. At that battle, you can see your opponents. You can see them coming after you. You can see them coming for your flag. You can hear them. You can hear them coming as they're, they're hitting the ground and as they're breathing hard. If they get close enough in your face, you can even smell the turkey on the breath after the dinner. <laughs> but that's a battle in which you use your senses. But a spiritual battle is different. We cannot see our enemy. We cannot see him. And so it's an invisible battle, but it's also an insidious battle. The word insidious comes from a Latin word that describes someone that is lying in wait, someone that is out in the shadows, somebody that is waiting to attack you. You can't see them, but as you're coming and as you're getting closer, gradually they come up and they spring up and they attack you. It's an insidious battle. They use cunning. They use whatever attacks and means that they can to take you down. The enemy of our soul, he does the exact same thing. You cannot see him, but he's waiting with the lies. He's waiting with something that is not true, and he's going to want to attack you out of his playbook every single day. But God, you know what God did? You know, they talk about some teams in the NFL and other places that they, they, they get to play somehow. Somehow they're reading across the field, and they're trying to figure out what the coach is saying. Well, Jesus, Jesus did that for us, amen. God got the playbook from the devil, all right. He got his playbook. We know what he's going to try. We know the lies, and God exposed him. So here in the Word of God in Matthew chapter 4, we get to see exactly what a spiritual battle looks like when Jesus went up against the devil. Matthew chapter 4, we read about Christ. After his baptism, the Holy Spirit led him into the wilderness. Forty days tempted of the devil. He was out there fasting. Forty minutes. If we're hungry, we're giving in, all right? <laughs> I'll tell you something. We went out to the dentist yesterday, and uh, we took Charity out there with us. You know, I, my wife had an appointment. I had an appointment, and, and, uh, and we were able to get Charity in there somehow. But as they were poking around on my teeth with that, you know how they, you know how they do, they got, they have those tools in there, and they were poking around on my gums, and I thought, if I ever get caught as a prisoner of war, and they start bringing out dental tools, I might have to tell them everything they want to know, because <laughs> they hit some spot, I said, mm. I said, are you okay, Mr. Hill? Mm. They hit that bad spot. I said, I'm glad I met the dentist. Maybe they can fix that and take that away. But imagine Jesus being out there, tempted of the devil 40 days. Not only is the devil tempting him 40 days, he's hungry. And we're not in the best state of affairs when we're hungry. It's like that, the Snickers, you know, the Snickers commercial. I know you've seen some of those. They, they, you get, get that guy a Snickers so he can turn back to normal. But there were no Snickers out there for Jesus. And so the devil came to him. And what did the devil do? The devil knew that Jesus was hungry. He said, if thou be the son of God, 
command that these stones be made bricks. What was this first temptation about? Trying to get you to do something outside of God's will. That's exactly what the devil was trying to get Jesus to do. It wasn't in God's will for Jesus to be making his own bread out of stones. Not that he couldn't do it, but that wasn't in God's will. The devil will try to get you to fulfill your lust outside of God's will. Sleep with that person, it's okay. The devil will try to get you to take something from somebody that's not yours. Oh, it's all right. They, they probably won't even notice. They probably wouldn't even care. They probably like for you to have that. You need that. You deserve that. They will try to get us to do things that are outside of God's will. And so here is what Jesus did. Matthew chapter 4, verse 4, we can bring it up. But he answered and said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. What did Jesus do? He found the lie and he replaced it with God's truth. Jesus was quoted from Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 13. We've got to take some lessons from Jesus Christ. Amen. We've got to take the word of God, learn the word of God, put it in our hearts, and use it when the devil comes around our way. Second temptation that we read about. So that, that failed. So the devil tried something else. The devil took Jesus to the highest point on the temple in Jerusalem. He wanted to tempt Jesus to throw himself down. So what did the devil do? Jesus used scripture. The devil tried to use scripture too. One man said it this way, the devil knows the Bible. He can quote scripture. He can twist it also. He can take it out of context. So you better learn it when he lies to you so that you know what he's saying is wrong. Psalm 91, this is where he quoted from. If you read this in Matthew chapter 4, Psalm 91, we can go to that. He shall give his angels charge concerning thee. This is what he was telling Jesus. He shall give his angels charge concerning thee. And in their hands they shall bear thee up, least at any time thou dash thy foot against the stone. So what was he telling Jesus? Hey, Jesus, if you jump off the mountain, God will send his guardian angels down there to catch you right before. The people will be amazed. And you won't even touch the ground. God will keep you. Devil's quoting scripture. He's got it memorized. Well, we got to go to verse 13. Why did he stop right there at verse 12? Because in Psalm 91, verse 13, it says, Thou shalt, he's talking, this is a prophecy about Jesus Christ. Thou shalt tread upon the lion and the adder. What does that mean? That Jesus Christ would step on the head of the snake. He would step on the head of the certain serpent. Devil didn't want to quote that scripture. Hey, I'm going to leave that one out, all right? I'm stopping right here. But Jesus would stomp on his head. Jesus would defeat him. And Jesus knew that. The devil knows his time is coming. So Jesus replied, thou shalt not tempt or test. The Lord your God. Another Deuteronomy scripture. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 16. Third temptation. Devil tried another time. He does the same thing to you. If one thing doesn't work, he'll try something else. He'll try pride. 
He'll try to get you upset, try to get you mad at your wife, mad at your spouse, mad at your friend. Supposed to be best friends, get all mad at them. Don't even know what the argument was even about after a while. So why, why did I even, what, what was that about? I don't even know. Get you all twisted up in your mind. Get you twisted up with God. Get you twisted up with the pastor. The devil will try whatever he can. So the devil tried to get in Jesus' head. That's how in sports sometimes if they, if they can't match you by, by, by the same physical ability, man, they'll try to get in your head and maybe try to get you all mixed up, try to get you messed up thinking about something else, trash talk and get you all, all confused and thinking about something, then they take the ball from you and run the other way. So the devil tried that with Jesus, took him to a tall mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world in just a short time, and he said, all this will I give you. All you have to do is bow down and worship me. It's a shortcut to the cross. You can have it all, Jesus. No cross, no crown of thorns, no hatred, no nails in your head and your hands and your feet, no, no spear in your side, none of that. You can have it all. Did the devil have it all? He did. Adam gave it to him. He gave it away. But he knew he couldn't keep all of that. He knew that Jesus would be Lord and master over everything. And so he tried it anyway. He'll try stuff just to see if you'll take the bait. Just to see if you're listening. Maybe I'll try this and see if this will work. I'll try this live, see if this one will work. But we got to get tired of the devil. You got to get tired of being where you are spiritually. You got to get tired of that. Excuse me. Matthew chapter 4, verse 10. Then Jesus said unto him, get thee hence, Satan. Get out of here, loser, with a capital L. Get behind me, Satan. Get out of my face. It's written that you got to go. Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 13, and the devil had to go. Amen. We cannot see with the physical eye, so we cannot use physical means to fight against the devil. This is a spiritual enemy. It requires spiritual weapons. We have three. God told us that there were three of them. What are they? They all three start with S. We got the sword, we got the spirit, and we got supplication. The sword, the spirit, and supplication. The sword of the spirit. The sword of the spirit, the word of God. If Jesus had confidence in the word of God, shouldn't we have confidence in the word of God? If Jesus used the word of God against the devil, we can surely use the word of God against the devil. Learn it. Get it in your heart. Memorize it. Put it in there. Read it. Let God talk to you so you can fight against the devil. The spirit of God. The spirit of God. How much more so? Do we need the Word of God? But how much more do we need the Spirit of God? Matthew chapter 4, verse 1 says, 
that Jesus would lead up the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. How did he know that he was able to go out there and face the devil? He knew that. Why? Because he was filled with the Spirit of God. It has been said, Jesus did not one miracle but by the Spirit of God. He didn't do it in his own power. He did it in the power of the Holy Ghost. That means that you need the Holy Ghost. You can't go out there fighting against the devil on your own. You can't see him, but God gave you a weapon in the power of the Holy Spirit. If Jesus Christ needed to be filled with the Holy Ghost, you need the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And supplication, what's that? Prayer. We need prayer. Jesus believed in prayer. How many know Jesus believed in prayer? You know Jesus prayed? You ever read about how Jesus would pray all night? Jesus would pray all night. Before Jesus made big decisions in his life, what would he do? He would pray. He would pray all night. The Bible says that, and it came to pass in those days, Luke chapter 6 verse 12, that he went out to a mountain to pray and continued all night in prayer to God. If something is so important, you're getting ready to go through something in your life, you need to pray. And Pastor Olson, he would say, when you don't feel like praying, that's when you really need to pray. You really need to get along with God. You really need to touch God. So he gave us these weapons. He gave us these things. He gave us the principle that one man called the replacement principle to find and replace, to take those things that are there that the devil has been lying to you, to take that battle in your mind and to go and use that against the devil. Use that replacement principle to say, I find this lie that the devil has told me and I'm going to replace it with the truth of the word of God. And then take that very thing that you read in the word of God, write it down and use it, put it in your own words, and use that against the devil. As far as I know, we have home group tomorrow. I'm going to go, and when, when Pastor Devonshire is out of town, I go over to Sister Laverne's place, and I go fill in for Pastor. And on one of the Bible studies, we do something called paraphrase the verse. Paraphrase the verse. And so we get out the definitions of the words that are in there, and we, we all, you know, well, you know wh whoever wants to put, put in and give input about the verse, we give some input about the verse. So it's not a, just a one-way teaching, but we all get involved, and we all talk about it. And so if there's something that, that, that is there in the Word of God, we can all come to, to, to definitions and come to some kind of agreement about this is what this means, and there may be some questions. But we paraphrase it, and we put it in our own words so that we're able to remember it even better. And so one thing that we can do is that we can find the lie and we can replace it with the truth. We can find the lie that there is it out there that the devil has tried to put in our minds and we can replace it with the truth of the word of God. The devil may say, I, he may tell you and put this lie in your mind, I am a victim. Nothing good ever happens to me. Everybody is against me. Or the devil may lie to you and say, hey, you need this thing to keep your happiness. You need alcohol. You need drugs. You need this person that's dragging you down and not bringing you into fellowship with God. You need this person that's stopping you from coming to church. The devil may tell you that. 
what should you do? Get in the Word of God. Read something out of Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8 is the victory chapter. Romans chapter 8, Paul the Apostle wrote, If God be for us, who can be against us? If God is for me, how can the devil come against me? If God is there with me, the devil can't do anything against me. If God be for me, who can be against me? God said, I'm more than a conqueror through him that loved me. I'm more than a conqueror. Well, I didn't even get out there and fight the battle. Jesus fought it for me. He won that war. All I did was get out there and get saved, and I claimed the victory through Jesus Christ. He wants me to cast all my cares upon him. Why? Because he cares for me. He wants to take them, throw them away behind his back, and he wants me to lean on him. That's why he said, come unto me. And so put those things in your own words. Say, I am an overcomer. I don't have to be overcome with thoughts of failure and defeat and lies, and the devil telling me you're stupid, and there's nothing you can do. The devil reminding you about things that you've done in the past, and all the things that happened to you before. Don't let the devil lie to you about those things. Remind him of where he is going. And that's the last part right there, the victory, the victory. The devil may remind you about something that you did years ago. He's done this to me time and again. There's been times when I've fallen for it, and there's just been some times where I just felt like Jesus said, get out of here, you loser. I'm so sick of you getting in my mind and telling me all these things and talking to me about something I did either eight days ago or eight years ago. Get out of my head. You got to remind him of where he's going. Remind yourself of victory that you have in Jesus. Let me tell you about something that happened at the Turkey Bowl. And I get to live this over and over again. I was on the, on the team that had the ball. And the, my preacher friend, he made up a play that was designed just for me. And so as, I, as we were out there, we were talking about it. He said, okay, I want you to line up on the left side. And I want you to go and run as fast as you can. And go out, go diagonally towards the sideline. I want you to run. I'm going to throw the ball to you. Hey, this brother here, I want you to play a decoy. Hey, this brother here, I want you to act like you're going to get the ball and you're going to run with it. But, but uh, Brother Hill, I want you to go out there all the way out to the left. And I'm going to throw the ball. And I need you to catch it. <laughs> I said, okay. <laughs> So as we did that, then we lined all up, and I knew exactly what I had to do. And, and, and I went out there, and I ran as fast as I could, and he let the ball go. And as he, as he let the ball go, I turned around and looked and said, here it comes. And so here came the ball, and I actually caught the ball. Like, yeah! I was wide open. And so I got the ball, and I just started running. But then I heard these footsteps coming behind me. I heard some hard breathing. I said, boy, I really need to start running now. They're coming for the flag. But I went down there. I got down there to the goal line, and I scored a touchdown. And it's the same thing. Jesus Christ won the battle at the cross of Calvary. Come on to the instruments. Jesus Christ won the battle at the cross of Calvary. Jesus did it all. It looked like it was over. It looked like he was defeated. It looked like it was fourth and goal, and there was no way to win. But Jesus found a way to win. Jesus found the victory, and the devil lost. And he knows he's a loser. He's going to keep on trying to win. But so what? He is defeated. 
and so defeat the devil tonight. Come up and get saved and get right with God. Come up and get the Holy Ghost. We give the devil a black eye and tell him, you might have beat me once, but you're not beating me this time. And relive the victory in his face over and over again. Let's get ready to pray. And let's think about what we need for the victory. If you need to get saved, come on up. If you need to get the Holy Ghost, come on up.